and welcome to episode number 15 of the Lines Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by some of the brightest minds in all of the gaming industry this week. Eric Ramsey, Brett Colson with me yet again. Dustin Galker out on the road, hoping to get him back in next week. Uh, imagine he's probably going to have some things to say about what we've got going on in this episode. Guys, this week has been absolutely insane when it comes to sports betting, regulatory gambling, everything that you could imagine news. We are recording this at 2.15 Pacific on Thursday. I'm sure something else will break after this. We just had some news break about 15 minutes before we went live. We will bring that to you as well. Um, And then we still have Friday. So holy mackerel this week. Eric, can you even fathom Another, I, I can't imagine a scenario where we get another week like this. How many more deals can possibly be made? We were kind of spoiled from a from a content perspective with a relatively slow week last week, and we got punished in a good way this week with just a, a torrent of news. It, it hasn't stopped uh, all week, and it still hasn't stopped as we're sp- talking right now. Brett, let them know I'm not talk, speaking in hyperbole here. Literally 15 minutes before we started this recording, another bombshell dropped. Like, let people know that this is not me bullshitting them right now. Yeah, we have not. A, we haven't had a whole lot of room to breathe all week. <laughs> across our across our network it's been uh, it's been exciting but also a little stressful so we also have an interview guys hang out we're going to talk to jason trost he is the ceo and founder of smarkets he has a lot of stuff to talk about within the industry keep in mind there we recorded with him on wednesday and a lot of stuff happened after we talked with him but there's still some very very good information in that interview that'll be coming up in the middle here uh, we'll move on to some huge mgm news tons of stuff going on with them big DraftKings news and then again right before we went live here we're going to try to make some sense of some fan duel news as well and keep you guys up to date on what all is going on but we'll start out with quick hits as usual guys please on itunes subscribe rate and review give us all the five stars let us know how much you like this podcast because it really does make a difference people go in they read those reviews and they actually give us a try so we appreciate it and uh Trust me, we like to keep that good rating going on right there so we don't get fired. Football season is finally here. By the time you are listening to this, the Hall of Fame game will have been played. There will be overreactions. People will talk about how this guy is the greatest player ever and how this guy sucks, and none of it really matters because it is way too early to determine any of that stuff. But, Eric, one of the reasons that this kind of is a big deal is because it is the first football game that our friends in Mississippi are going to be able to wager on. Yeah, we had the launch of Mississippi sports betting this week, which in any other week would be enormous news this week. It's sort of getting shuffled into the mix. Uh, It's the fourth state with legal betting. We have Nevada, New Jersey, Delaware, and Mississippi now launched on Wednesday. A couple athletes, Willis McGahee and Stanley Morgan, made some first bets. It is land-based only. Remember, we talked last week, land-based inside of the casino and mobile inside of the casino as well. You cannot bet from uh, outside of casino grounds. The regulations are specific about that. It even includes things like parking garages. The geolocation enforces that. But yes, you can bet on sports if you go to a Mississippi casino. Yeah, I mean, listen, people are going to wonder about all that. And at the end of the day, I believe it's a, a situation where you look in, you're sitting in your bed, you had a rough night, you went out late, you did some drinking, you did some different things like that, and you're able to like place a bet without having to walk downstairs. I mean, I, I think there is some utility to having you know, quote unquote, mobile gaming, even if it is only inside the property. I mean, Brett, you've been out here in Vegas for NFL season. Those get those kickoffs are are real early out here. Um, I know certainly I've placed some bets from my bed, but I, you know, I bet you they get I bet you they get after it in Biloxi. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I We talked about this. I think this is silly. But <laughs> I, I do see you, – uh, you and Dustin did you, – you, I feel like there is some utility to having – mobile betting on property there there are times when you would want to use it especially with in play if you're you know in your room or you're in the sports book and you want to fire an in play or an in-game bet that makes sense but to not have it uh, across the state is kind of silly to me so more very very look i think it's i think it's silly that they uh i think it's silly they broadcast kino on on casino hotel <laughs> televisions but they do it must it must work you know i don't know who the hell's sitting in their room playing kino uh when they could be downstairs but it people people must be doing it you know well point. i mean I, I you know and maybe you're on a maybe you're on a heater at the craps table and you don't want to leave and uh you want to place a bet or something or you know you're you yeah. really like the dealer at a blackjack table you don't want that guy to get away so you want to keep playing but you want to place a bet as well i mean listen there's there's there, they will get additional bets out of this for sure so you yeah. know it is what it is um caesars live in new jersey at bally's and harrah's this comes off of a deal with scientific games right eric so yeah, this scientific games is uh, another one, another thing that was the biggest news of the week for about five seconds until more things happen. Uh, scientific games, a big supplier that powers uh, Delaware sports betting, some online casinos in New Jersey, and now Caesar Sportsbooks in New Jersey as well. Um, land-based books at Bally's, at Bally's and Harrah's both open. The uh, Bally's book will serve Caesars as well, and mobile apps are coming shortly, as they say. Yeah, um, this seems like this is not a great week for Miomni there, Brett. Miomni is an, an app provider for a lot of uh, different sports books here in Nevada, but two of those being uh, Caesars and then Boyd as well. We'll talk about them a lot here um, in just a little while when it comes to Boyd as well, but both of those big companies look like they're going to be moving away from Miomni. We actually have reached out to them, haven't gotten com a comment back. Hopefully we'll have something for you next week on that but it you know when you're losing boyd and losing caesars that's probably a pretty big deal oh yeah absolutely and look this is only the beginning for caesars too it's uh properties in indiana mississippi california illinois P pennsylvania all over the u.s so uh yeah obviously you want to you want to have a partnership with this these monster companies as they are positioning themselves uh in those states that are going to be available probably with by 2020. So, uh, and, and, and uh, Caesars, again, a, a company that has a lot of experience in the business too, unlike some of the, uh, the competitors that he will soon be touching on a bit later. Yeah, definitely. And I believe that, and, and I can understand from a casino standpoint, wanting to have an app that doesn't look like everybody else's app, wanting to have something, be able to put in wrinkles of your own, kind of wanting your own thing. So I get it, you know, it worked for the time being, and I can see these guys moving you know, into a little bit more customized looking deal as they continue to expand across the country here. Another thing that would be the biggest news of the week that is not the biggest news of the week, Bet Stars. And if that sounds familiar, that will, it certainly makes sense, announces that it is coming to New Jersey. For people who played poker there, Eric, Bet Stars, why does that sound familiar? That might sound a lot like Poker Stars. Uh, both of these brands are owned by parent company, The Stars Group, which this is the largest uh, publicly traded gaming company in the world. We, we talk a lot about large companies. Uh, the Stars Group, with a new acquisition of Skybet, is actually the largest gaming company in the world. So, obviously, this is a big deal for sports. Yeah, just, a, an, a again, another thing that would be just so, so massive in any other week. I mean, we're talking about a company here, Brett, that, you know, dominates the the poker scene right now i mean of course party poker making a, a good little comeback and we'll talk about some some partnerships with them here as well but uh you know bet stars b being a poker stars brand 
is I mean it's it's news. It is big news because this is a a big company that knows a lot about uh, knows a lot about their customer and certainly has a big database. Yeah, of course. And and this one uh, this one broke as I was prepping for the podcast, so I don't have the full details in front of me here. But BetStars will have a it has an existing partnership with resorts in Atlantic City and will use that to offer mobile sports betting. My question is. How does this work around the current sports betting license that DraftKings has with the resorts? Maybe Eric can answer that one for me. From what we understand, that that deal with SB Tech Resorts has is the deal for them. That's going to power their online sports book and their retail sports book. Looks right now, it looks like these uh, the deal with DraftKings and BetStars are both skin deals. Looks like these will be online only for these two brands. Gotcha. A thing that's real big in that's going to be very, very big in the gambling world and certainly big for me as I live here in Las Vegas. But finally, the Tiger Woods versus Phil Mickelson head to head showdown has been made official. It's going to happen the weekend after Thanksgiving. Uh, not quite sure the exact date, whether it's going to be a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, but they're just saying that it's going to be the weekend after Thanksgiving. It's going to be happening here in Las Vegas out at Shadow Creek, which is a unbelievable golf course here in las vegas you go out there and you wouldn't even know that you were in the desert i mean it's green everywhere trees everywhere apparently when steve Wynn built it he brought in like millions and millions of dollars just worth of trees from all over the country to make it look you know basically like a golf course that you would find in florida or california or something like that it is absolutely crazy if you're staying at an mgm property you can play there for a mere 500 dollars if you want to play around <laughs> out there um brett i know you and i uh, and actually Eric, all three of us uh big golf fans certainly when this was even rumored we were all very happy about this but brett let me start with you I'm not going to say this could rival, you know, the handle of a major boxing match, like a huge, you know, call it a, a Mayweather-McGregor or something like that. But I think people are going to be pretty surprised at how much handle this actually processes. I mean, listen, it is going to be happening during football season, so people are going to be in the betting mood. They are going to have their apps fired up and loaded with money that they're going to be firing at college and, and, and pro football during the season anyway. I think there's going to be a lot of people firing at this. Yeah, especially if it does happen on a Friday, the Friday after Thanksgiving, where you're going to have people off, and there's no football on that day except for a few college football games. So there's a huge potential for handle. And for me, this is this is the ultimate for several reasons. And the first is that match play is just the greatest golf format. These tournaments on the PGA Tour every week, they can be so boring, so lackluster, because there's really no competition aspect to it. Uh, and the players are just blind to what's going on at the other 17 holes. Here with this match play, Tiger versus Phil, mano a mano, shot for shot. You're playing to win this hole right now. It is awesome. And it opens up the opportunity for players to to take shots that they wouldn't normally take. If if Tiger hits a ball 325 yards down the fairway and Phil finds the bunker, Phil's going to have to go for it and, and take a shot that he wouldn't take in a tournament. So you see a different type of golf. And when you add betting into it, especially the in-play betting where you can place a bet, on every shot, the opportunities here are endless. I'm I'm super pumped for this. Golf needs this kind of innovation, and here you combine the game's two biggest superstars and sports betting, and uh, it's, it's it's really exciting. Eric, have you booked your plane ticket yet? I know this only became official this morning. Again, another piece of huge news that drops. I mean, this could be a, a one of the biggest 
non-football, non-boxing handle things that happens, you know, outside of outside of that is absolutely crazy what's going on here. Um, but I, I know that you've only had a few hours, but I imagine you you're coming on the, the jet that we give you to travel all over the world. You're just going to you're just going to take that over here, right? Yeah, I'm going to have to crash on your couch, though, probably. Is that OK? Yeah, I, know I haven't asked you this yet, but I'll ask you in public here. Can I crash on your couch that weekend? Yeah, listen, I have multiple guest bedrooms and you are allowed to have the couch. Yes, you can. Perfect. You can. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm also super excited about this. This is, like Brett said, it's the purest form of golf. My favorite format of golf ever in game that hasn't been around since 2008, but I used to love watching that on TV. You know, you can see the prize money up right there. In golf tournaments, they kind of do a pretty good job of, of not highlighting the prize money up for grabs. It's something I like to do on Twitter when people miss six-figure putts on Sunday. But, uh, you know, most of the time we don't really hear about these $100,000 swings. So to have this in uh, in broad daylight with these two guys going at it, all the side action too, it's just it's the best thing that's ever happened. Yeah, what's going to be crazy is they're going to have so much time. And when I say they, I'm talking about the sports books themselves to prepare for this. If we're talking about this happening in November – the in-play betting could be crazy because they would be able to scout the course and the different holes. And, you know, Tiger might be favored by, you know, might be favored on like hole seven because that hole actually suits him a little bit better than Phil, who might be favored on hole nine because it favors kind of like a lefty a little bit better. So it could be interesting just how the how the individual holes are broken down for in-game betting as well. So I think we are going to see just a, a million different types of, of bets come out of this. And like I said, I think the handle for this is going to be massive. And I think it might be something, you know, this is kind of a gimmick right now, but honestly, this may be something that that sort of catches on in the future, depending on how this goes. But I could absolutely see the Westgate sponsoring a, a foursome between Ryder Cup players or something and, you know, getting exclusive rights to book it or, or a broadcast or whatever the deal is. I could see more of these sorts of things happening in the world of, of legal sports betting for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, before we head to our interview here, uh, Nevada posts a $20.2 million win in June. That comes on $286.5 million in handle. Now, those numbers, the win numbers are up. The total, the handle numbers a little bit down. A lot of that, though, Brett, kind of has to do with NBA not being too kind. I mean, there were just so many lopsided matches down the stretch. Uh, so many teams that were just way, way better than their competition that it didn't make for a ton of action in the betting world. And also with the series going so quickly, uh, there were less, there were fewer games to, uh, to to bet on as well. So NBA was not too kind for Nevada, but they were still able to, as they have for umpteenth hundred months in a row, uh, book a win there. Yeah, we talked about this before the series started. The NBA is kind of broken right now. It's it's one team just destroying the rest of the competition. It doesn't create a good product, and uh, the betting does suffer from that. So, uh, yeah, uh, handle was down. Hold was up percentage-wise for Nevada this uh, this past, well, I guess it was June. It's 7.1%, which was the biggest month uh, hold percentage-wise for Nevada. So I guess if there's one positive to take out of it, that's it. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could look at the baseball numbers obviously had to have stayed strong for, for that yeah. to come through. Um, so that's all. also looking up baseball, kind of when you get into the, the dog days, as they call it, of summer. Uh, you, t you tend to see those numbers go down a little bit, so that's a good sign as well. Now, as we mentioned at the top of the show here, guys, we're going to go to an interview that we recorded with Jason Trost. He is the CEO and founder of Smarkets. Smarkets is a betting exchange that you, in, the, in the UK. But as he talks about in this interview with uh, Brett and myself, they're not going to stop just over there in the UK and the US is certainly in their sights. 
in keeping with the theme of the brightest minds in all the gaming industry here on the Lines Podcast, we bring to you Jason Tross, CEO and founder of Smarkets, also a gaming and sports betting expert. Jason, from the middle of Italy, we appreciate you being with us. I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. So obviously a lot has happened in the past week to 10 days in the sports betting industry. The big bombshell that dropped yesterday was the partnership between the MGM MGM Resorts, MGM International. Obviously, if you're a fan of Las Vegas, you know all the properties up and down the strip. And of course, they've got the Beau Rivage in, in Biloxi. They have the the uh, they've got the uh, big casino over in Atlantic City as well, the Borgata. So, what do you think of this deal on the surface? Do you think there was a winner? Was the NBA the winner? Was the MGM the winner? Or do you think this was actually just a pretty good deal for both parties? Well, well, being on holiday, I just saw the the headline. I'm not sure how the NBA is planning on monetizing it. I, I think MGM was going to pay for the data. Is that correct? Yeah. So basically, what it's come down to is that MGM it's more of a marketing deal. So they get branding, yeah. you know, on the mobile, you know, basically on the the various mobile properties from NBA, and then in exchange, they get the quote unquote official data from the NBA. Yeah. So I. I well, I, I guess I'll give it, give you my perspective on this. So for, from a traditional sports betting point of view, it's probably a pretty smart move. Uh, traditionally, gambling and, and betting is largely a marketing exercise, and that's the way it works in the U.K., and that's definitely the way it works in Vegas, whether they, you know, they sell that they're more of a sporty hotel or they're more of a, a modern young hotel, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I think as the market matures uh, in the U.K. as well as the U.S., I think Hunters are going to, or betters are going to be looking for better value. So I, I, I don't necessarily think in the long term punters care that much about brand as long as they're getting the best experience. So I, I think it's good on the surface, but I, I don't think it matters that much in the medium to long term uh, because, yeah, people will want the best odds and they'll go where the best odds are. As you've seen uh, probably in the headlines here, MGM also made – some pretty big strategic partnerships, uh, one with the European gaming company, GVC. Uh, they're going to you know, do their online stuff for them. And then another with Boyd, mm-hmm. Boyd Gaming to increase kind of their access and their footprint across the U.S. Uh, one, what did you think of these two deals getting made? And two, do you think this is a big, big strategic advantage for MGM to be making these deals so early in the game here? Uh, I, yeah, like I said, with the branding and the marketing, I don't think it's a bad play. Uh, it's just, I don't think that the American consumer is going to care that much. Uh, so GVC is a, you know, the name GVC isn't a consumer brand, but they own a lot of consumer brands under that. And so GVC is a major player in the UK. Uh, but I think what they're trying to do is, is use the standard playbook, which is the heavy marketing, the heavy bonusing, the heavy branding and lightweight on the odds making and lightweight on the user experience. And so, Yes, it's smart for, well, MGM would have to pair with somebody uh, that has experience because there's no way you can build a, a bookmaking operation online from scratch or even in a, a retail online operation from scratch. So, so MGM had to do a deal uh, in order to get something live. And, and I don't think in the grand scheme of things, I don't think GVC is a horrible partner for them. They're probably a pretty good choice. I just think that, uh, like I said, I mean, the, our angle in the business is we want to offer consumers the best prices, and, and you're definitely not going to get the best prices from Boyd Gaming. You're not going to get the best prices from GVC. You're not going to get the best prices from Caesars. You know, so while uh, while this works in the standard playbook, I think uh, you know companies like Smarkets, uh, if we're able to 
to provide the best odds so that customers will choose to use that over over some well-branded behemoth. You you definitely make a good point there in in that just following up a bit that even though people look at MGM and they you know think that there's these you know giant casinos up and down the strip that have been taking sports bet for for years and years and years and, and while that is the case they do not have vast experience in doing anything really from a mobile and online aspect so that's a very good point that you make that yeah they have experience in the brick and mortar type of sports book operations but trying to expand this from a mobile and online aspect is definitely something that's completely new to them yeah 100 uh, percent. and especially around the vegas market and the american market people are used to that minus 110 kind of mechanic you know betting on the spread betting on the lines and while, while that'll work, and I think Americans will be looking to do betting on those uh, options in the short term, there's a whole world out there that's, you know, basically the UK is the world leading market for all these things. You know, you can bet pretty much any event in the world. You can bet in play real time. You can cash out. You can, uh, you know, you can do multiples, which I think are, which are called parlays in the US market. There's so many different options that Vegas bookmakers don't even begin to to offer. In Vegas, you can just bet on the uh, the winner and, and the halftime lines, which is a very 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 uh, behind the times mechanic for betting. So so it definitely makes sense for MGM to be partnering with a with a big provider. Um, but I, I think you know just if you look at the younger generation, um, you know if you look at the Snapchat generation, the Instagram generation, younger people uh, who will be betting on apps don't care as much about brand. You know, like a lot of these brands just come out of nowhere. You know, Instagram comes out of nowhere, Snap comes out of nowhere. You know, people aren't using Kodak to share pictures online. You know, they're not using Fuji uh, Fuji film to share. So so brand counts counts or something, but I think uh, I don't think brand is going to be the winner. in the like I said. So going back to the, the lack of experience here in the U.S., I want to get your thoughts on DraftKings and FanDuel and the sports books that they're launching here. These are companies that greatly increased their presence here in the U.S. a few years ago with a massive mm -hmm. ad spend. Uh, and now they're launching themselves into sports betting, and it makes complete sense. They have the, they have the, uh, the customers already in place, and already we've seen FanDuel have – some issues with their brick and mortar sports book in New Jersey. But do you think DraftKings and FanDuel have the footprint already here in the U S to overcome uh, a lack of experience and know-how in a relatively foreign industry in sports betting? No, I don't. Uh, no, the reason I don't is because sports betting, you know, from the outset, you know, it seems like it's fairly simple, but it's, I can tell you, you know, I've been building my business for 10 years. It takes, there's so many intricacies between sports data and managing risk and taking payments online and monitoring for cheating and monitoring for uh, fraud in the system. It, from something that kind of conceptually seems simple, all you go online, you place a bet, what's the big deal? It's the technology that powers that is extremely complicated. So it's, it's so complicated that, you know, so-called online only online only companies like DraftKings and FanDuel, they had to outsource all the sports betting tech. So as far as I know, none, neither of the two are doing anything in-house. I believe FanDuel is using IGT and I think uh, DraftKings is using uh, Candy, if I'm not, I could be mistaken about that, but those are the two providers. So that's right. even, even those two online companies had to bring in outside help to kind of power sports betting. Now, they, they, both those companies have a pretty good uh, email database, which is definitely an asset. and 
they're definitely two brands that are known and, and, you know, they definitely don't have the legacy of sort of an MGM does, you know, DraftKings and FanDuel are associated with online only and, and, you know, they're quite recent brands. So I think that's an asset for them, but because they're outsourcing, they're not going to be able to change their product very fast. You know, all, American consumers really expect uh, the product to be really good and keep changing. You know, it, Instagram is, something you know you you stop at a red light and you see the driver next to you changing uh checking instagram but the interesting thing about instagram they ship a new version about once a week you know there's subtle changes always going on the instagram platform and i think if you outsource your your key technology as pretty much every player in the united states has done except for us uh you're not going to be able to update your app once a week you're going to be able to update your your app once every few months and i think that's going to be um ultimately a losing proposition so you're obviously very familiar with the UK market. And before we get off of DraftKings and FanDuel here, uh, obviously they tried and, and are still a little bit, you know, trying to get DFS caught on in the UK. One, what is your opinion on DFS? Two, why do you think that maybe it hasn't really caught on over there? And do you think there is any sort of possibility for DFS in that market? Uh, as a consumer, I mean, I tried to get into DFS, but it just it didn't click for me. I always thought that the reason why DFS was so popular in the States was it was a proxy for sports betting. And, you know, as soon as sports betting comes into the fold, I, I thought DFS would kind of fade away. Um, the reason why I don't think it's caught on in the UK at all is because sports betting is easy to access. You, you can do it, you know, on Main Street. You can do it online. It's fairly easy. So there's so many options to engage with money on sport that, you know, some uh, pool-based mechanism that works that day just, you know, it just doesn't have the legs to stand up. That said, I think as sports betting rolls out in the United States, I think, you know, you'll see less emphasis on DFS over time because, you know, it's not as interesting as, as placing 10 bucks on, a, on an NBA match as, as, you know, waiting for all these players to score points. And um, in essence, I think it's too complicated. We have a a new state that's going to be launching here actually to, going to be taking new bets by the time everybody is listening to this in, in Mississippi. And also, uh, you know, one of the big things that is going down as well as in New Jersey is starting to take mobile sports wagering. Um, looking at the way that you took, you keep talking about the youth and, and you look at and great way to bring up the Instagram thing about how they're always pumping out new versions of that and how different things are changing all the time. Uh, it, do you feel that the only way for success in this is, is, is a mobile and online play? Do you think that the traditional brick and mortar sports book, that we've kind of grown to know and love here. And I live in Las Vegas, so that I've kind of grown to know and love, uh, you know, I'm not going to say is going to go away, but will certainly be an afterthought, say, you know, five to 10 years from now. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's going to go away because there's a certain novelty, you know, it's just sort of like in the UK, a lot of people still bet at the, the horse track, you know, even though it's very easy to bet online. So it's still, you know, if you go to the horse track for a fun day out, it's, it's a lot easier to put, you know, cash down on a, on a horse rather than install an app and sign up and all that kind of stuff. So it's, I think the same will be true in Vegas. You know, if you're there for a convention and you don't normally bet on sports, you know, it's, it's a nice way to kind of interact with, with betting without uh, going through all the KYC and all that kind of stuff. So, but I, I definitely think, um, you know, just like Amazon and, you know, not to compare it to too many other industries, but pretty much everything that we do in the United States is going online. So the, you got to think that sports betting is primarily 
why wouldn't you do it online if you were serious? Better or medium, better. It's it's just so much easier. You'll get better value. It's uh, you know you get paid out instantly on your app. Um, I I do think the bulk of the action will be uh, online and mobile uh, for sure. Well, one of the states here launching this week is Mississippi in the U.S. and yep. they currently have no plans for mobile as as yeah. of right now. So I mean, would you? It sounds like you think states need to have mobile access in order to succeed it depends on on what you're what you're trying to optimize for if they're trying to combat the black market 100 percent, the state needs you know if, if the state's goal is to tax and 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 uh regulate and make sure that minors aren't aren't gambling um and they want to curb the black market 100 percent, states need online and they also need common sense legislation uh i know pennsylvania's one of the one of the notable examples that doesn't have common sense legislation right now. So, uh, but if they just want to dip their toe in the water and and get some tax revenue in and not fully jump in the pool, uh, I don't think it's a horrible idea to just try uh, doing sports betting within the premises of a casino while they kind of get comfortable with the idea. But long term, uh, that's not going to fly for a lot of uh, people in the state, you know, they'll continue to bet offshore uh, unless they have a compelling alternative. So browsing through your Twitter, I, I saw you commenting on the Wire Act here in the U.S. Can you give, kind of give us a breakdown of what the Wire Act is, how it applies to the current state laws and legislation, and maybe why you think it's important for it to be repealed? Yeah, so to, I'm, I'm probably going to screw up my legal history, but I think in the 40s, 50s, there was a lot of uh, mafia activity, and one of the main business models of the mafia was sports betting. And the states didn't have as much uh, teeth or, or, or prosecutorial resource to go after the mafia for sports betting. So Bobby Kennedy pushed for this law called the Wire Act, which basically said it's illegal to transmit information for the purpose of a bet across state lines, you know, bringing something from a state crime to a federal crime. And so it's basically, it wasn't really to target gambling per se, it's to target the business model of the mafia. So in, in the modern era, uh, I'm sure there are still some circles in the mafia that do sports betting, but by and large, the mafia has moved on to other business models, and we are now legalizing and, and regulating sports betting. So it, it's kind of a, the law doesn't make sense anymore. Now that you have legal sports betting uh, popping up within the United States, um, it, it makes sense to repeal it, or at least to have Congress, um, you know, tailor the language to say it's it's only tailored towards uh, illegal sports betting. Right now, it's tailored towards all sports betting. the The problem it is, you know, Smarkus is an exchange, so we let people bet with each other. So it's it's like a marketplace. Like if you think of Nasdaq, you can buy and sell stock. With Smarkus, you can buy and sell sports bets. And it's, you know, if you think about it also like a poker network, the more people you have on the network, the more chances you have to bet for and against something. So right now, due to the Wire Act, we can't let somebody from Mississippi within a casino bet against somebody in New Jersey, even if we have a license in Mississippi and a license in New Jersey. So I think it's important for the government to do something about the Wire Act, because I think pretty much everybody would agree if I have a license in New Jersey and a license in, in Mississippi and I pay my my tax that's due, uh, those guys should be able to bet against each other. 
yeah, it's definitely an old and outdated law. There was a there was a there was a time it, they don't really enforce it anymore. I don't know if the language is actually off the books, but you couldn't like show the betting board in Vegas because you were like showing the betting lines like across the across like a video line and stuff like that. It's just absolutely insane with some of the stuff that that goes on, which kind of brings us to to the next question here. Just the regulations in general in the United States versus the regulations in the UK. Obviously, the UK is. It's kind of the model for how to have a very functioning sports betting uh, landscape where people understand that it's just a normal part of life. There's nothing wrong with it. Bet if you want to. Don't bet if you don't want to. The regulations seem to be working for the various parties involved there. Of course, the tax rate that has been talked about in Pennsylvania here has everybody kind of screaming and jumping up and down because it seems like it's unsustainable. Uh, what are some of the things that really work in the UK that the US should should really be looking at over here? Well, that, that, that's a very good question. I mean, I think I think hands down the UK uh, is the best model to follow in the whole world, actually. And and as far as I can tell, nobody in the United States is following it. So the the nice thing that you can do uh, in the UK is anybody can sign up for a gambling license. But the way it's working here is that only uh, land based tracks horse tracks and casinos are getting licenses. And so that greatly limits the amount of innovation that's going to come in the, into the industry. So it will favor incumbents like your big MGM deals and whatnot. Um, also, the, the more that you have these big incumbents, the more the pricing is not going to be good, the more the technology is going to be stale, and the more incentive people will have to use offshore bookies because it's, you know, technology and pricing are very important. So the, the big lesson I wish that Americans would take from the UK is one, like you said, not to be afraid of it. It's, it's perfectly out in the normal. It's, you know, it's part of the English Premier League. You know, I think a quarter to half the jerseys, um, uh, quarter to half the teams in the, in the Premier League are sponsored by betting companies. You know, it's a fairly uh, normal everyday activity. And, and the other thing I would encourage the American market to take away from is they, sh they should really liberalize the market if they want a truly competitive, fair marketplace uh, such that anybody for fee and, you know, of course, due diligence and all that kind of stuff, anybody should be able to have a betting license in any of these states. So in New Jersey, each uh, casino and track gets three skins. I think Pennsylvania is one skin. Um, Mississippi's at the premise. And so uh, I'm not sure how many casinos are in Mississippi, but let's say there's five or ten casinos. You have at most a uh, chance of, of betting with five or ten operators, and a lot of those casinos are owned by the same people. Um, same, in, uh, same in New Jersey, you know, about half the casinos are owned by Caesars. Uh, so you don't – the consumer is going to, to be the ultimate loser if, if the United States um, continues down this protectionist path. Now, I'm, I'm a little bit – uh, optimistic that as Americans get more comfortable with it and as you start seeing uh, more internet startups wanting to play and maybe Google, Amazon, Facebook, you know, who knows, maybe they want to start doing something in sports betting. I'm, I'm optimistic that governments will take a more liberal approach to it. Uh, but right now, everybody's being a little overly cautious. And I think they should just look to the UK and, and take a deep breath. And, and uh, you know, all, all, these state regu all these state regulators don't really need to reinvent the wheel. Um, you know, the tax is pretty well understood. The regulation is pretty well understood. And, and the UK is a really good model for that. Well, we don't want to keep you too long. You are sitting so graciously joining us here as you sit on <laughs> vacation over in Italy. So we really appreciate you being here. So we want to give you 
you know, talk about what's next for you guys. I know that you you talked about a lot about technology here just in the time that we've yeah. had you and how innovation and things that are moving forward. So, you know, what's next for you guys? What are you looking to do? Is it is it more ad- additional things at Smarkets? Do you have something else in the hopper? Do you want to reveal? Do you want to make some sort of grand announcement here? Anything? The, the floor is yours, my friend. <laughs> Thanks very much. No, I, we're, we're shipping a sports book very soon. So we're known for an exchange in the UK, uh, which we definitely want to bring to the American market. But the exchange that we've seen is it's more of a niche thing. You have to, you don't have to be, but it, it, the product lends itself better for professionals. And uh, uh, But the really, really nice thing about an exchange, just like any marketplace, is we have better odds than pretty much anybody else in the world. Uh, but because it's limited to that exchange functionality, a lot of people don't interact with it. So the thing we're really, really excited about building is a sports book, and, and that's what we want to build, bring to the U.K. market and also to the, to the U.S. market. Um, we don't have a license yet in the, U, in the U.S., but we're definitely talking to four or five states with partners in each of those, uh, each of those respective states trying to get a license. So what's next for markets is we want to play with MGM. Um, I am not afraid of GVC. I'm not afraid of Boyd Gaming. I'm not afraid of Canby. I'm not afraid of FanDuel and DraftKings. I think that they – We'll all offer a pretty inferior product, what we've been able to build, and um, we're trying our, our butts off to get a license and, and be able to bring the American consumer um, what we think is the best sports technology in the world. Man, we really appreciate you being here. Jason Tross, CEO, founder of Smarkets, and uh, we will definitely be touching base with you, uh, hopefully a few times a year, so you can keep us updated on how things are, are going for you and everybody on your team. Awesome. I love your podcast, guys, and and I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Big thanks to Jason there for stopping by and talking to us here. Brett, as we talked to him, you could tell a guy super sharp, obviously super sharp, knows a lot about the industry and certainly trying something new over there in the UK. But I don't think it's it's not breaking news by any stretch. I've seen that he's dropped it here and there in casually kind of in interviews, but they will be opening a traditional sports book and they certainly have their eyes on the U.S. for expansion. Yeah, absolutely. And very interesting comments about some of the uh, companies that are launching here in the u.s as well i I found that very interesting but yeah we definitely uh smart it's a company to keep an eye on here i guess uh more more potential news to break here in the u.s uh maybe uh, in the coming months yeah absolutely talks a lot about you know a lot about innovation and that's certainly something we're seeing with these internet companies again guys that was actually recorded before pretty much everything we're about to talk about right now because it all came down in the last 24 hours essentially just unbelievable amounts of stuff here uh, that, that we got a hit on, but I mean, just astronomically massive bombshells in the gaming industry that just came one after another. The first and probably the biggest here would be uh, MGM partnering with the NBA. Yes, you heard that right. Adam Silver and the NBA are partnering with MGM Resorts. They are going to be the official gaming partner of the NBA that is rumored to be for three years at 25 million dollars mgm resorts will be promoted across nba's digital assets including nba tv nba.com the nba app and nba social media platforms this is non-exclusive on the data feed that they are going to get part of the deal is getting data directly from the nba but that is not exclusive any of these other casino groups could come in and also get that data feed from the nba as well 
guys, this was absolutely huge. I'm not going to sit here and pat myself on the back. Oh, never mind. Yes, I am. Because I called exactly this, I believe, on this podcast not too long ago and certainly in our chat room that this is how this was all eventually going to go down, that this was just going to end up being marketing deals with these casino companies who have hundreds of millions of dollars in marketing budgets. And this is the way for the NBA and all these other leagues to guarantee themselves money in their pocket. Eric, when this first broke, what was your first thought and what was what has gone on in the you know 36 hours basically since this has come out? My first thought was, man, I got to pat Matt on the back for calling this weeks ago thank on the you, podcast. Thank you. So, actually, yeah. actually, this is not this is actually this is not true. I tried to get so I tried to get props in our in our company Slack chat, and nobody would take the bait. I was like, hey guys, y'all remember when I when I said this was going to happen, right? And then nobody wanted to say anything to me. Nobody wanted to help me out. No, my immediate takeaway is from the NBA side. This is really big for NBA. Uh, the financial terms aren't huge, but the NBA has set a, a real precedent here, finding someone that's willing to pay for their data. This has been a longstanding battle, uh, more than six months now. The leagues have been trying to pitch for the commercial value of this data and ownership of it. And now they found a huge casino company that's willing to provide them some financial compensation for use of this data. So this precedent is is exactly what the NBA wanted, um, apart from from anything at the legislative level. Now, Brett, we've talked at ad nauseum on this podcast about integrity fees and the continued use of the word that they need integrity fees, yada, yada, yada. In your opinion, does this put a pretty much put an end to all of the integrity fee talk? And now we're just basically going to switch to these more marketing corporate partnership deals moving forward. Yes, I think the NBA has found a way to monetize their their data, and this is I think this is kind of what they realized they could do. The integrity fees were kind of a, a joke, and I think they realized that. But the, the the whole data thing here is really interesting to me because I don't feel like this has been touched on enough. Uh, we we'll be posting a story about it on the lines here right after we record the show, but. There, there's a lot of NBA data that isn't being used by sports books in Las Vegas right now, and I, th- I think the, I think MGM is is getting a really good de- deal here. They've got potential to, well, they'll have access to to data that other properties won't have, and they can offer possibly props that other books won't have, which is obviously creating a better product for them. So, I think. I think this is a great deal for both sides. And there was also talk about MGM receiving faster data than competitors, which would in turn make their in-game product better, especially for a game like basketball where things are moving so quickly. So uh, the advantages here for MGM could be huge. And as Eric said, the steel sets a huge precedent for what these partnerships between operators and leagues are going to look like going forward. Yeah. So speaking from experience here, I've played a ton of in-game basketball on the apps here in Nevada. And I've talked to a couple of sports books directors and asked them because a lot of times uh, bets will either just flash up. There's no way to make a, a bet because it's not there long enough for you to be able to do it. Or so you can tell that it wanted to get something up and it didn't get up and different things like that. And of course, I don't know how this all gets routed and rerouted and how it gets back to an app and to me and whatnot, but I've had sportsbook directors say, well, that's because the, the data is getting shot from, from overseas and it's coming back over here to us and it takes a long time. So I believe that there is at least some validity to the fact that they will have faster data, that they would have faster, that there would be a more direct pipeline 
Now, again, there's probably some internet wizards out there and people who will be able to tell us, of course, tweet at us and let us know if that's absolutely ridiculous. But um, I've at least been told that. Now, I don't think that any of these sportsbook directors are also internet wizards, so they might just be saying that to say that. But, you know, listen, I'll buy into it until someone tells me otherwise. Yeah, I kind of my view on this has changed just in the past couple of days. I um, wasn't really sure of the value of this data uh, from a from a commercial standpoint, uh, but I've listened to some sports books uh, directors and other people involved with sports books talk in Nevada, and they seem to see some value in this. There was an interview with uh, Jason Symbol from CG, and you know he he seems sees value in this data. It's also worth pointing out the context. Caesar uh, Caesar's disclosed some in-play betting numbers from Nevada this month, and it accounts for 13% of their wagers. That is much much smaller than in some other markets around the world, and possibly the availability of fast data. Yeah, and you know one of the other things we shouldn't gloss over here is you know three years 25 million if this turns out to be to be accurate it's been reported by a few different people who are in the know so i have no reason to believe that it's not you know we're talking about you know a little over eight million dollars a year now you're getting certainly you're getting the data but you know i mean even from just a strict branding aspect here from this i mean ge pays the celtics a little over $7 million a year to have their logo just on the Celtics jersey. And we're talking about MGM getting promoted on NBA's, you know, digital assets and uh, uh, their TV channel, NBA TV, on their website at NBA.com and on the official NBA app. So, I mean, even aside from the data and having the faster data and different things like that, just the branding value alone and what you get from that, where we're going to be living in a world where we're getting a ton of people trying out sports betting for the first time. And if you are the official sports gaming partner of the NBA, that gives those people a little bit of, of, of understanding. It gives them, it makes you feel more credible. It makes you feel like that that's the person you should definitely go with as opposed to some of your competitors. So for me, even outside of this whole data thing and all these other deals, for me, just the strict branding play at a little over $8 million a year seems just a, a steal, seems an absolute bargain to me. Yeah, of course you can leverage the NBA brand to attract the new betters, both on property and on your app. That's huge. Eric, do you believe that the... I mean, I, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm off base here, but do you believe that... Uh, to a new better out there and someone who wants to start betting and you're going to have all these options obviously there's going to be DraftKings and FanDuel and MGM and Caesars and William Hill and all these things that are going on out there and you're trying to make a, a you're trying to make a decision obviously you're an you're not a savvy better so you're not shopping around lines here you're just trying to to go with a, a brand at this point would you go with the brand that's got the little NBA symbol next to it as opposed to someone else not sure. We talked about this a little bit privately about the the value of the NBA logo. I think uh, you know maybe the value of the MGM brand itself is a little a little stronger. You know, if this deal, if you have a new better who's trying to figure out whether or not sports betting is is legit and safe and and all these things, maybe a brand like BetStars isn't the most um, substantial place to start. Whereas you associate with someone like M MGM, a huge established casino company that you've probably been in their properties before, seems like a little more accessible starting point for for a new better to me. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, one other thing to point out here is MGM also at least has a a tangent relationship with the NHL as well because the 
if you look here in Las Vegas, you have the Golden Knights who play at a T-Mobile arena that is also an MGM property over there. So I wonder if we how far away we are from some sort of announcement with the NHL as well because you they already have a working relationship from a you know from that standpoint and I have to imagine that after this was announced with the NBA that that conversation probably got started as well. And talking about Vegas while we're on the subject, you also have to at least consider that this is uh, the start of a, a play to get an N- NBA team in uh, in Las Vegas. MGM already owns the WNBA team there, and this would seem to at least start the conversation or, or clear a path for those conversations in the future. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's got to be some sort of little wink, wink, nod, nod deal going on with, with all of this. I mean, people weren't beating down the doors to, to get a new WNBA franchise, but, you know, MGM stepped up and 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 took the aces and and now they're doing this so brett i would imagine the next time a team wants to get moved or if they actually want to go ahead and expand no no expansion (laughs) i agree we can't water down these nba teams more than they already are that would be horrible yeah i mean i agree i agree i mean I, i would much rather a team just move here but i mean listen if they think that they they can sustain 32 teams, then they're probably going to do it. And of course um, they are, yeah. and I think that uh, I think Las Vegas probably just moved themselves to the top of the list with with this deal here. Yeah, I I think the NBA would survive uh, better in Las Vegas than an NHL team. Of course, it, it's easy to say that uh, when the team isn't winning and, and making the Stanley Cup. I. I wasn't expecting that, of course, and, and hockey's already thriving in Las Vegas. But uh, I think the NBA is is built for for a city like Las Vegas, and uh, we've already got the summer league there. I think it would be a, a great fit. So that's the end of the news for the week, right? No, no, it's actually no. not. No, it is not. Actually, we're sticking with MGM <laughs> here, who announced a $200 million partnership with GVC. For those of you who are not really into the gaming industry uh gvc owns sporting bet they own the brand party poker they own b win and as uh, recently they now own ladbrokes which you've probably heard of a major betting shop over across the across the pond over there also coral which is another big betting brand overseas so that is who gvc is this is a partnership eric where both companies are putting in 100 million dude it's huge this is another Enormous deal, and I think we still have one more for MGM. Yeah, you you ran through the vitals for GVC, another one of the quote-unquote largest gambling companies in the world. It's another huge company, and uh, joining forces with the casino Goliath, MGM here for for sports betting in the U.S. Yeah, it's just it's it's absolutely crazy to think about whenever we're whenever we're we're looking at this that all of these you know multi multi-hundred million, multi-billion dollar companies are choosing that the best route to go is to just go ahead and partner up with with things like this. I mean, Brett, when you hear of all these partnerships that have been happening, really, you don't really hear about any of this in in, in any other industry, and certainly not in the gaming industry because it is so incredibly competitive, but I think everybody just sees that this is the best route to, to getting things done. Yeah, and, and getting things done quickly, and I think that's the important thing is that that these companies don't want to fall behind. And you got GVC providing. Uh, this is a fifty-fifty venture. You got GVC providing the the technology. You've got MGM providing its its massive U.S. brand, along with access to now 15, 15 states in the U.S. through another partnership that happened on Monday with Boyd Gaming, which was uh, uh, another big one and so we're what we're seeing here is massive expansion of sports betting right before our eyes 
Eric, we'll we'll get to another some more news with Boyd in just a second. But uh, tell us about this Boyd MGM deal. This is, I mean, you, like I just can't get over this from MGM. <laughs> this, this this week alone, they've entered into everything we've talked about. They became the partner of the NBA. Uh, this huge partnership with Boyd Gaming that gets them into 50, a total of 15 states. This GVC deal and two two casinos on sports betting in Mississippi all in the last four days. I don't even. I can't really form thoughts about MGM right now. It's I'm still grasp what they're doing here. You know, this is MGM, obviously a big company, but maybe not one of the the leaders in sports betting right now. Uh, that looks like it's about to change. This is uh, the these upstart companies like FanDuel and DraftKings better look out because. Uh, Things are getting serious here with MGM ramping up their efforts. Yeah, I mean, they certainly have a big chunk of the pie here in Nevada just because they have so many properties and so many prominent properties uh, as far as the sports betting goes. But I think one of the people you look at, it, you, you've heard of MGM, right? And you've seen the commercials and you've, you know, you've seen these big, huge properties. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is you hear this, uh, you know, a company like Boyd and and whatnot, but like these these smaller gaming companies aren't necessarily so much smaller when it comes to the amount of properties that they have. And that's one of the things that I think that people that aren't in the gaming industry don't realize that these are valuable partnerships because these other gaming companies, Brett, have casinos all over the place. I mean, we're talking, you know, Louisiana and Illinois and Michigan and, and all over the places where where some of these other big casino groups don't have places. Yeah, that's why this is so huge for MGM, because it gives them access to so many states that are already considering sports betting, and they will be ready for when these states uh, are ready to, to flip the switch and get going. So uh, that's why MGM is doing this, and that's why MGM is going to be a big-time player in yeah, the U.S. giving them a footprint in uh, many, many more states that they would not be able to do that. So we're sitting here, and everything was breaking, and we were like, wow, this has been a, a pretty busy day to which one of the founders of DraftKings drops a tweet that says, hey, by the way, uh, here we go. The, it's, we're going live, and, and we're going live today, and we're going to be in the App Store in a matter of hours, and that is exactly what happened. That is in New Jersey. DraftKings Sportsbook takes the first legal, non-in-person, non-brick-and-mortar bet in New Jersey outside of Nevada um, Eric, it was a apparently according to them, it was a five dollar bet on the St. Louis Cardinals to win twelve dollars. So that was the big first bet there. That was a non brick and mortar bet in New Jersey. But you had a chance to take a look at the app, and you were pretty impressed. So yeah, I got a walk through earlier this week with the uh, product lead, Dan Hannigan Daily. Um, gave me the the nickel tour of the app, and it's incredible. I don't want to be the DraftKings PR machine here, but uh, what I saw of the app is incredibly slick uh it looks like the DraftKings app it uses the same sort of navigation it has every bet type in every sport you could imagine you can bet as low as 10 cents uh they're offering a lot of promotions and free bets and odds boosters and things like that uh most innovative feature to me that i saw was their live ticket system this is something not in use in the states anywhere right now but essentially every ticket that you bet uh, turns into an in ticket you can cash it out along the way uh, the value will adjust based on the lines and what happens before the game and during the game. Uh, so essentially every bet you make is an in-play ticket, um, which is going to garner them some traction. It's a really interesting feature to look at. Um, another thing super interesting is that the DraftKings apps talk to each other. So the Sportsbook app will know what you're doing on the DFS app. If you uh, roster a bunch of Red Sox in your baseball contests, you can expect to see the Red Sox game featured prominently on your Sportsbook app. So another thing that's... Um, just incredible use case for DraftKings. This is exactly the reason that that operators like DraftKings and FanDuel want to offer 
both fantasy sports and uh, sports betting. There's just great potential for crossover promotions like this. And Brett, you know, listen, they're not going to make any money off of it. But for me, I think that having 10 cent minimum bets is is actually pretty smart here because now you're opening yourself up to a massive amount of people that otherwise probably would never would never use your product. I mean, if you think that you can put in 10 bucks and actually, you know, gamble on 10 bucks for a month, uh, that might get somebody interested in at least giving it a whirl that it otherwise would never have given it a chance in the first place. It's extremely smart because you're opening up an entire customer base that I don't think these other sites are going to have. Who else is going to offer 10 cent bets? I, I don't see that happening. So you're, uh, you're, you're, inviting these uh, small-time bettors who might not bet at all into uh, an environment where they can bet for a small amount, get themselves acquainted with how sports betting works, and then maybe increase their bets as time goes on and, and bet something of value. So th- I think this is a brilliant idea by DraftKings. If you are in New Jersey, um, you might not be able to play, so we should mention that. It is it is right now by invite only. So maybe by the time you're listening to this, they will have opened it to the public. Uh, maybe not, but uh, you can certainly go and at least get your name on a list if you want to try the app out. I'm sure they're going to be working out some kinks and working out some bugs before they uh, open it up to everybody. So just something to note there if you are in New Jersey and you're wondering, hey, what the hell are these guys talking about? Now, when it did launch here, Brett, one of the things that came out and what everybody wants to do is nitpick the lines and how things are listed and how things are are the going rate compared to some of the other places out there. And it's no different with the DraftKings sports book that launched in New Jersey. Yeah, we, uh, we got the first look at the major league baseball lines, uh, from last night's games, also lines for today's games. And there is a large discrepancy when looking at DraftKings prices versus uh, a William Hill or, uh, an MGM and uh, people are not happy about it. And look, I try so hard to cheer for DraftKings. Their technology is fantastic. They're innovative. They push the envelope. I respect the hell out of them for that. But this stuff drives me nuts. And we just had the same discussion about FanDuel weeks ago when they launched their MLB lines that had huge vig. Public perception is so important here in the early going with so much competition fighting for market share. We just talked about how many companies are going to be competing in the U.S. market. So what are we doing here, DraftKings? Like, it, there has to be a meeting before the launch to discuss the lines uh, compared to not only what's going on in New Jersey, but offshore, too. You can't compete against these offshore sites if you're offering what 60 cent lines wasn't that one of the i mean this is insane the discrepancies here cannot be ignored and uh it's it's upsetting to see this right out of the gate from DraftKings. yeah i mean i look at it this way and eric you can let me know if you if you agree disagree or whatever you'll probably agree with me because i'm very smart but um <laughs> but i mean i look at it this way that i don't really have a problem with any of this because they'll just price themselves out of the market if that's the way that it goes i mean it's it's one of those deals to where there are going to be there is going to be a lot of competition and if it comes down to it to where they're offering lines that are not nearly as favorable as one of their competitors they're just going to lose business because of it so i mean i don't know i'm not jumping up and down like everybody else is because if somebody just really wants to use DraftKings and doesn't have any urge to go and shop lines and and different things like that well I don't know. I find some personal responsibility in that, and I don't really have a problem with people offering whatever in the hell they want to offer. And at the end of the day, 
if it costs them business because of it, well, that's on them as well. So, I mean, I don't know. I think everybody is just kind of personally responsible here. DraftKings on the operator side and the, the user on the user side. Yeah, the only problem is that we're not just competing against each other in New Jersey here. We're competing against offshore books, and we have a big group of serious bettors that are going to shop lines, and they're going to bet where they can get the best prices. You know, just looking through the MLB lines, we see that the offshore books are offering, you know, standard 10 or 20-cent lines. Let's take a look at the Rocks card, the Rockies-Cardinals game. Offshore books, 10-cent lines. DraftKings, 29-cent line on that game. You know, general public or DraftKings or experience better than um, Series betters will care about that. They simply won't pay that amount. Um, so, yeah, you know, all's fair in, in market competition. The problem is that we're setting a market-wide precedent that is not uh, not competitive enough to compete with offshore books, and that's the primary goal of this industry is to compete with the offshore market, not each other. Yeah. Well, DraftKings, DraftKings doesn't want the uh, the big betters anyway, right? Correct. Maybe they, think, maybe they think they can offer these lines to their massive uh, base of fantasy players and, and get by on that. I mean, it's, sure. it's it's it looks slimy, but look, if that's if that's how you can run a business, then uh, I guess they're going to try it. Yeah, I mean, I don't even think it's slimy, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, like, listen, there are there are there are books in in here in Vegas that if you're a a huge winning player, they'll either cut you off or do different things to kind of discourage you from 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 betting at their place. I mean, like it, this isn't really anything new. I think it's just drawing so much attention because it's it's new in New Jersey, but it's not new basically for the industry as a whole. And I believe that's probably right. I don't know. I don't necessarily think that they're looking for the whales. I mean, at the end of the day, and to be honest with you, I don't think the whales are the people that are going to be leaving anyway. I mean, it, those are the people where it really matters like uh, if, if you're getting a dime line or not, like th those people who are betting the massive sums and betting every single day, that really does affect their bottom line and, and what they're doing. But the casual better, whether you're whether you're getting, you know, minus 110 or minus 115 or whatever, even minus 119 or something like that, it, it really doesn't have that big of an effect on that person, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, like they're they're it's not going to to mess up their monthly total of you know, the, of what their expectation is that they're trying to, to bring home that month. Cause that might be the only bet they make the whole month anyway, or they're that week or whatever it might be. So I don't know. I, I just think that this is jumping up and down and trying to say, compete with the offshore books. Like they're never going to be able to compete with the offshore books. The cost of doing business is so much higher for these people in the regulated markets that sure they can be competitive, but they're certainly never going to be able to be anywhere near what what these offshore books can offer and and you know if the whales stay offshore then the whales stay offshore but there's way more casual betters and way more casual betters to be had than there is whales out there yeah the problem for me like sort of taking this personally maybe i shouldn't but the conversation that i had with with the team made it very clear that uh, fan duel that customers were unhappy with the lines and they vowed not to do the same thing and then they open with lines that are wider than, than the FanDuel lines on the same day. So, yeah, maybe it doesn't – it it may not be a bad business move. Maybe it's net net good for them to do this. Maybe they're going to make more money um, with these lines than they would with tighter lines and, and not appealing to as many customers. But, uh, boy, it just rubs me the wrong way to see this happen again. Yeah, I look at it the same way. Look, there, there's a lot of crossover between fantasy sports and sports betting. And this might be the introduction to sports betting for a lot of people who play fantasy sports. And you're taking advantage of them right out of the gate. And I have a problem with that. I I guess I mean is it taking advantage of them though I mean but I, if if they don't recognize the the discrepancies in the lines a lot of well, casual betters aren't going to yes it's a fair market but I just have an issue with 
I mean, if the if if you go to buy a car and the car and there's the exact same car for the exact same model and year and everything like that is uh, $1,500 cheaper, um, you know, five miles away from where you're buying your car. Is is that on the car dealer for for charging you fifteen hundred dollars more? Or is that on you for not going you know a few miles down the road or not doing your due diligence to go down the road and buy the car for fifteen hundred dollars cheaper? I mean, I just don't I don't understand why there's all this outrage at the operator themselves as opposed to looking at at, at the people at, at the people. I mean, just just be honest. And DraftKings does say that you know their margins they can afford to operate on a little tighter margins as volume increases. So, you know, maybe part of this is that they're just rolling out and don't have a ton of, of action yet. So they need to sort of juice the lines a little bit. Maybe we'll see this get a little better. goes on. But I mean, if, you know, if it, I'm not the CEO of DraftKings, but if I was, I'd have to think that I'd be trying to entice customers out of the gate, really, really hook them, really offer them something they can't refuse. And that's not the case here. All right, guys, we are, we are, this I understand. Thank you for sticking around with us. This has been a marathon <laughs> podcast here. We try to stick to kind of like the 35 to 45 minutes. Obviously, we have an interview with this one. And then this news drops literally 15 minutes before we go to record. And we just can't skip it because it'll be a week old by the time we get back to you guys. So you're going to have to kind of be with us on this because we're going to be walking through it together. So feel feel good. You're We're all going through this together here. But uh, news drops, a press release comes out that Boyd Gaming actually has done a deal with FanDuel. And you're going, wait, Boyd Gaming has done deals with whatever. Yes, I understand. We're all trying to process that. We're all trying to figure out how everyone is going to work happily together. What we are going to do is we're going to turn to our good friend, Eric Ramsey, who is at least going to tell us what we know about this deal as of right now. And be sure and head over to LegalSportsReport.com, head over to play playnj.com head over to playusa.com all the different uh sites that we have out there i'm sure brett will have something on the lines about it as well but uh be sure and and get all the nuts and bolts of this at one of those sites but from what we know right now tell us about this boyd gaming and fanduel deal eric yeah our colleagues are scribbling out these stories literally as we speak like you said this is this is happening right now so still trying to digest it what we know is that fanduel and boyd are now partners it's yet another partner for or FanDuel, they are racking them up. Um, itself is um, Pennsylvania, Louisiana, Mississippi, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas. These are all states that are that either have legalized sports betting or have considered it this year. Um, so from FanDuel's perspective, they will be able to offer skins in states where Boyd is licensed. And from Boyd's perspective, they will be able to offer a Boyd skin in states where FanDuel has agreements. Um, and also, you know, Brett mentioned this partnership with MGM. This, uh, from FanDuel's standpoint, this deal with Boyd also extends to the MGM property. So they have access into um, a ton of states right now because of this. Uh, at least 15 states still kind of trying to do a head count, uh, but it looks like 15 states in addition to New York, New Jersey, and West Virginia, where they have their own partnerships in place alone. I mean, Brett, six months ago, we were burying FanDuel, and here we sit today, an acquisition later, uh, several partnerships later, up and running in the sports betting market later, and now they look like, you know, I'm not going to say the company to beat here by by any stretch of the imagination, but certainly look like they are on the up and up. Yeah, and it's, certainly, it's interesting to say that after uh, what our friend Jason uh, from Smarket said about FanDuel and DraftKings, too. He doesn't think they will be. Uh, able to compete so i it's going to be interesting to see if fanduel can prove him wrong because they are certainly setting up to be a, a huge player i uh, i just uh, yeah I, I don't know i mean based on what we've seen here early from fanduel and meadowlands i'm not i'm not so sure 
Yeah, I mean, listen, a couple of hiccups here and there. I imagine that, the, you know, we're, we talked about the majority of the stuff last week and, and, yeah. and everything. But, you know, listen, FanDuel partnerships, you know, now, I mean, they're – they're in, what did you say, Eric? They're in 15 to 18 states, something like that? At least 15. I'm still trying to count, but it's at least 15. Yeah, at least 15 states with this partnership as well. So tons and tons of stuff going on in this industry. We're going to go ahead and apologize because I'm sure something else is going to break by the time <laughs> that you listen to this and, and we didn't weren't able to talk about it on this podcast. So sorry about that. So we're going to... Uh, we're going to make sure and talk about that next week. We're also going to get Eric better internet. He is going Sorry. to, uh, yeah, he is not going to be uh, talking in robot in certain little parts like that. Brett, I would like to commend you on your internet over there. Thank you for that. It, cu- it cut out. <laughs> little little joke <laughs> for me. Yeah, it's it's. Uh... <laughs> Good night. You're, you're welcome. Good night. Unbelievable. <laughs> Guys, as always, please, LegalSportsReport.com, OnlinePokerReport.com, PlayNJ.com, PlayUSA.com, TheLines.com. If you're looking for other stuff more in the picks category, PlayPicks.com, we've got tons and tons of websites. We have very, very capable um, writers that are basically typing their fingers off right now trying to get all this stuff out to you and in a way that you can digest it because a lot of this stuff comes in very confusing language and we try to translate it for you to where you can read it like a normal human being so a very very awesome team that we've got going out there and props to all those guys because this week has been absolutely bonkers eric you have been a champion brett you as well uh eric if you want to if you want to get more twitter followers how could someone go about helping you do that I don't. Uh, my AOL dial-up doesn't uh, allow access to Twitter, so I'm not a uh, no, uh, uh, Eric under Eric underscore Ramsey on the Twitter machine. And Brett, we are going to get you more active. Where can they find you on the Twitter machine? At Brett Colson, two T's, two L's. And if you want to hear my ramblings and whatnot, uh, at Matt Brown M two on the Twitter machine. We appreciate it, guys. Again, if you head to that app store. Be sure and subscribe, rate, review, let everybody know that this is not only informative but entertaining because uh, some people don't like to just hear informative stuff. They also want to be entertained, and we try to do our best with that. Uh, Thanks a ton, and uh, be sure and head to the websites and get all the nuts and bolts. We'll see you guys next week.